tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology. Forgotten history. Divination. Magic. Cryptozoology. UFOs. Nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Main Street Universe, usually Wednesdays at 8 p.m., sometimes flexible according to a guest tonight, Tuesday at 8 p.m., and right before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that there's a few shows on the Main Street Universe Radio Network, including this one, usually at Wednesday at 8 p.m. And we also have that same night, Mr. Darren Bucare with his show Spiritual Insight. Then Tuesdays at 10, we have Green Magic, Green Medicine with Miss Susan Weed, the very well-known herbal medicine practitioner, on Fridays at 4.30 in the afternoon. We have Activating Compassion in the Midnight or it used to be called the Midnight Hour, but now it's just Activating Compassion. And her show comes on now at 4.30 because of her new situation. She was on a book tour and everything else, traveling the country, Doing getting well. a book going, and, and everything's going well there. And we have other hosts coming in, some new ones, some great guests. And but right now I'd like to get to the topic at hand. And that recently I've been in a few conversations, sometimes with, and Janice maybe has been in this too, and we're a Hello, everybody. Hello, Denise R. White, our associate producer. And conversations with people where they say, especially say from the 1960s generation. And I mean, these are friendly conversations, folks, not drag out brawls or anything. And they will say, well, the music, when I was a teenager, it meant something. It had it, it had so value. Much it, it had so, so much, much value. Much <laughs> and of course, I was a teenager in the 1980s, and Denise was somewhere close to that, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I and I say that first of all, those kind of statements are very broad, anyway, right? They're a little bit ridiculous. But for the fun of that conversation, I say that maybe heavy metal did, in fact, even glam metal, even in fact, have a social consciousness, a social conscious or a message. And what I mean by that is, some in the metal world use sort of dark gory imagery with horns and goats and demons or whatever. And some use maybe high heel boots, eyeliner, and a little sparkle. <laughs> Do each their own. Some girls and, you know, exactly. and whatnot. But in my opinion, both are saying essentially the same thing. And by that I mean they both embrace a spirit of rebellion. Oh, yeah. So that rebellious fighting spirit is, to me, valuable and necessary for a healthy society. I myself, one thing, by the way, that I think all three of us in this conversation right now, though Mark's microphone is not on, is all of our fathers were electricians. Yay! I am, as I high five for the electrician. <laughs> I myself am an electrician as well. Yes, he is. I'm aware that every circuit, going back to rebellion, to function properly needs a certain amount of resistance. Yes. I remember that, my dad. And so does every society. Oh, yeah. So I can definitely see how maybe people looking from the outside, looking from another generation, older or maybe even younger, could look from the outside in and go, okay, these people, they look like they're just, it's overindulgent, it's over the top, and look at all this and the, the makeup or the imagery and the monsters are depending, and I don't want to get into metal categories because that's an argument that can take like 12 days. Uh, I, don't, I don't even so like to get into long. it. Okay. <laughs> So, anyway, I think that all that being said, if you look a little deeper, you can see, A, some genuine artists, A, some genuine great singers, 
a some yeah. genuine certainly musicians, guitar players, some beautiful songwriters, and people that are concerned, and I think our guest tonight is someone who has shown that, and especially I think in some of his work uh, recently as someone who has shown compassion for his fellow humans through some of the organizations that he has helped aid and shown the capacity as well for deep reflection in his songwriting. And his new album is Reflections in a Rearview Mirror. And we are very happy on Main Street Universe to welcome Mr. Mark Slaughter to our show. We'll be back in just a minute. This song is from Friends of Our Woven Green. It's our opening theme song. And we'll be right back. Join us in our circle. back and I just turned his microphone on. Welcome to Main Street Universe, Mr. Mark Slaughter. Welcome, Mark. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And of course, Mark, you have a very interesting and rich musical past and present that I like to say. Some people think because they don't see them on MTV as much anymore that folks are, <laughs> Sorry, folks are yeah. gone. But so many of these musicians like Ronnie Dio and so many, they just kept going, they kept playing, yeah. and and Stones. from that era, all those still going. Yeah, so um, Ronnie was what a great guy he was, what a great guy. And it was sad to hear of his passing. Did you get a chance to meet him in your travels? I guess you did. Oh yeah, I I knew Ronnie really well, and he was a he was a wonderful human being, and and he treated me no different than he treated a fan walking up to get an autograph. He was just he was just a very genuine, and uh, uh, he took the music very seriously, and he put all his heart into it. So uh, uh, yeah, he was a great guy. He's he's truly missed. Absolutely, and I remember he was one of my first memories. I think it was Man on the Silver Mountain when I was a kid in the 70s of saying, I want to sing like that. But then I went, my voice got too low in puberty, and I can't sing like that. <laughs> but that's another story. We won't talk about that today. It's a better radio voice, perhaps. Yeah, better radio voice. <laughs> but I wanted to start a little bit in your past, because it's the kind of story I think a lot of people are, are interested in. And you were a guitar teacher at a music store. And a lot of people might or might not know, I think that they followed you long enough, they do, but if they were saw the glimpses of you in the 90s, they might not know that you're really, and I've heard you're playing, you're really an incredible guitar player. I'm curious of that feeling of going from that to Vinnie Vincent. I know you were in other bands. I mean, that must have been an incredible feeling to suddenly be playing in front of whatever, 15,000, 20,000, however many people in the arena. Yeah, it was it was real strange. I mean, one minute I was teaching guitar, I had about, I was teaching about 279, you know, lessons a month. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I was, I put my guitar in the stand. They told me I needed to change my hair color. They told me this is what we're going to do. And my first show that I did with Vinny was with Alice Cooper. And uh, uh, in that band was Kip Winger and Ken Mary and obviously uh, Paul Taylor, who was uh, also in Winger, um, at, who was playing with Alice Cooper at the time. Um, and it was just kind of the baptism by fire, so to speak. And, and it was uh, 
quite a quite a thing for me, but it was different because all of a sudden my my security blanket, the guitar, was gone. Um, and it was very. It took a while for me to get used to that, but I got really comfortable in the lead singer role, and you know, obviously, I've carried that you know through Slaughter. But uh, I still have a love for playing guitar. You know, that's uh, it's part of where I came from. Mm-hmm. And that was actually going to be part of my next question. I was curious: Did they ask you to ditch the guitar and say, "Look, we just want a front man"? And I, I, you know, I don't want to get too into revealing things, but I was curious about that because see, seeming that you were well, so good, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, Vinny, Vinny didn't want me to be playing guitar, although I was, you know, obviously very, you know, I, I could have played any any style or what he needed in in that group at the time. But that's not what uh, he thought in his mind. He was looking at, you know. There's Led Zeppelin has the lead singer and, you know, all the big bands have one guy who's a singer and he's usually blonde. And, you know, there's just a certain thing that he wanted. Um, and, you know, when, we, when, when that all changed and, and, you know, I left the invasion and, and Dana left and, and uh, we ended up with uh, a record deal with Chrysalis, you know, I changed my hair color and I just said, you know, I'm going to play guitar half the time. But I'm still a lead singer, and I still want to be out there uh, because there is a difference of being a lead singer as opposed to a lead singer-guitar player. Um, I don't think you can work the crowd. I mean, if you look at Steven Tyler, for instance, you know, as the opinion of a rock star, you know, he works a crowd, and, man, there's just certain things about that that are just, you put that instrument in between, and I think you lose that connection. And I actually agree with you somewhat as someone who's, though not at the level of audiences you've played. When I'm just singing, you're, you're right. There's kind of this, there's something different. At, you, you're not looking at the stuff, hitting your pedals, you know, whatever, doing all that other stuff that you're doing as a guitar player. Though I enjoy the act of doing both at the same time. So I definitely right. understand how you feel about that. Yeah, now, it's, saying, it's, it's hard, though. It's hard because, you know, I love playing music and I love, I love you know, playing but you know it's it's one of those things that that if you're an entertainer you entertain and i think that's really where the line is drawn and and uh that's you know any front man really knows that that's what you're supposed to do not just to have something of uh, uh of of having something that just pleases you but is pleasing the audience it is the entertainment business at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, when you're playing, even if it's not a business, even if it's a gig you're playing for free, it still is. You're entertaining the, the audience. So in that sense, it is an exchange, like Janice is saying, a civil business exchange of some sort. You know. Yeah, and I, don't, and I think there's this kind of a spiritual thing that happens with people on that side of it that you connect, and when you connect that way, you put stuff in between, you lose that connection. And... Uh, um, you know, as much as I'd love to play guitar all the time, bottom line is, is you know, people they they want that connection. They want they want to just be right there and look in your eyes and have that connection. You know, like Ronnie Dio, as you were mentioning earlier, was a was brilliant at that connection with his audience. You know, right in the eyes, right looking at every person. By by the end of the show, everybody else in that place had looked at in his eyes, and he made it a point to have that connection. And, you know, same with, you know, Paul Stanley, et cetera. Every, all those entertainers entertain and do that. I agree. And I think um, I remember one time Bruce Dickinson saying a similar thing of saying that he liked to look way to the back and see if he could get in, look into the eyes of the guy in the back of the audience and hit it with his voice, you know. <laughs> yeah, and make yeah that absolutely. Yeah, and he's and he's fantastic. I mean, that was my second tour with Vinny, uh, on the Somewhere in Time tour with with Iron Maiden. He was again brilliant, brilliant uh, frontman, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree. Um, staying a little bit with the Vinny years here, and then we'll move on a little bit. Um, Janice had a question for you about Love Kills. Oh. Yes, what was the – well, I have a couple questions here, but I don't know how many he'll let me uh, ask. Okay, I'm the associate producer. I can ask away. Uh, 
So, um, but I do want to ask about Love Kills because I, I listened to it last night and I put it on the very pretty melody. Um, Main Street Universe uh, Facebook page. So, what was the motivation? I know it was for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which was really popular in the '90s and the 2000s. But what was the um, initial motivation for it? Or, or did Vinny write it, as Daniel just pointed out to me? Yeah, Vinny is, is, you know, that was Vinny's thing, and the the song was written about, you know, uh, again, it was a very somber, very somber feeling uh, song, and uh, it just happened to work for the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, soundtrack. Um, so it, it, that was actually done before they actually even took it in there, and I think that was Jimmy Iovine who actually gave was part of that. But, but uh, it's it's uh, you know the the song the song itself is is you know just had a lot of a lot of hurt a lot of heart and and uh, you know I, as you know Vinny is a writer he he certainly um, wrote a, a brilliant song and uh, mm-hmm. I think the band performed well and I think that it but as far as uh, uh, it was it written for the movie? No, it was written and then the it was pitched and they loved the song and it went right in. It wasn't. It was just kind of one of those things. It was a natural course of events. Ah, so a little so kismet actually. He wasn't expecting it and it was and it was a good exchange universally. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. So, uh, and I want to ask another question while I have the phone. Uh, how has um and excuse me if I'm naive here, but acid rock slash heavy rock different in twenty fifteen than it was in the eighties and the nineties because I love the eighties there's nothing wrong with the eighties oh. I'm an eighties child and a reggae, reggae. And a reggae dj and and reggae right. was really in the eighties, so I adore the eighties and I feel that the music is so much different all across the board. Uh, in in the 2000s. So, what is your take? Well, I think that you know it's it's uh, you know as a songwriter and an entertainer, it's it's really it it is very very different than what it was. But I think that what the 80s dash, even though you know our band, meaning Slaughter, was released in 1990, what our music represented was a good time. And it was, it was, you know, there was heart in our music and there was some, some, uh, um, uh, you know, just real life situations in our music. But ultimately it's that, that time was just a good time. If you go to a slaughter concert, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, uh, you know, you just want to, you know, you raise your fist up in the air and you're singing up all night. I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's one of those things of celebration and, you know, a lot of things right now with the music that's out, there's a lot of, you know, there's there's some darkness in there, and some of the singers yeah. are not really, I wouldn't say that they're not singing, but they're singing with a different placement, um, with a, with a heavier growl. And, and, and auto-tune, but there's a heavier growl, and there's a different uh, um, sound and, and, and a feel to it, because, it's again, it's not about... Um, the good times it's kind of you know of of reflection of uh you know of some of the things that are going on in the world today i think music you know every decade changes you know it obviously changed from the 80s into the 90s when the grunge scene came in it was just a different time and and every year every 10 years music does change from the big band era to the you know the rockabilly sound to you know the the sixties with the Beatles and the British invasion. I mean, it's just a natural course of events that music goes through. But you know what we always try to do is make it to where again it's a it's an entertainment and the fun side of of the music as opposed to uh, the dark side. And I think it's a good point. And I still I still also say though, like I did in my little opening monologue, that even when it is about fun and when it is about a good time, it is sometimes that can be a rebellion 
against all the terrible crap that's happening out there. So it's still a great rebellious spirit for a positive thing, especially with the high energy that hard rock has. Yeah, it, and again, it, it is rock and roll is rebellion. It, and, and it was very well put and very well thought out, Daniel, on that side, that it, it is it is thought, it is a, um, you know, it is rebellion, and it's also saying this is this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is my life. This is my world. This is how I'm going to be sad or I'm going to be happy. Whatever it is in that music, that's what rock and roll reflects and has reflected, you know, from long ago. It's, the names change and the styles change a little bit, but ultimately it is rebellion. And it was very well put when you said that in the intro. Oh, well, thank you. And our studio cat here at Cafe yeah, Fairfax is trying to. Yeah. Everybody wants to be on, on the everybody microphone. Everybody wants to be on the air. <laughs> he is such a ham. He talks a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, but we'll thank you very that. much, Mark. And again, now I want to go to. <clears throat> we discussed the Vinnie Vincent years in, in, in the past there. Now I want to progress a little bit to the Slaughter years, and you covered some of it that I was actually going to ask. I was going to say that a lot of it seemed. Affirmative, a little bit sensitive with 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 uh, "Fly to the Angels." That's a that's a fairly you know deep song in in, in a, a lot of ways. And at a time when grunge, and this is why I wanted to ask this, uh, it, it seemed to be a pretty big hit right when grunge was kicking in. And I remember thinking that it looked funny on MTV uh, that certain songs would look a uh, contrast like that because uh, yeah. the grunge kids kind of seemed like they were in. Granted, there are grunge acts that I like, uh, STP and a few others. But it just seemed like a, such a contrast, like the the ones whining and the other ones saying, well, no, just go ahead and, you know, fly to the angels or other things that are affirmative. So, right. I, <clears throat> Well, and again, it's, it's, it's an interpretation. And that's, you know, is, you know, as my the new solo CD I did is really just a reflection of all that. It's, it's really, um, you know, Music is a reflection of the time. Grunge, you know, look, I think the Soundgarden is brilliant. I thought Nirvana certainly had a great place, and everybody's like, what do you think of Nirvana? It killed this style and your style. No, it didn't. It was great music. It had great energy, and it spoke to the youth and the people at the time for what it was. There's nothing wrong with what they did. It was an artistic expression, and that is ultimately what this is, is artistic expression and how you see it and how you feel it, and people either are, they agree with your art or they don't agree with your art. Either way, the art's not wrong. It is just art, and that is what, um, you know, it's like, well, this is good art and that's bad art. Well, it's all up to interpretation at the end of the day. It is. It's very, it's subjective. Denise, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Did you see the um, HBO piece that they did on Kurt Cobain? I did. I did. Yes. I saw and it. it was, and um, you know what? It was like and a brilliant spoke. genius, so like a mad scientist in a way. But I enjoyed well, it. And it. Yeah. And again, Vinny was. You know, when I worked with Vinny, I thought Vinny had. He, you know, he had his demons and the things that he dealt with. But he was brilliant on it. And the artist puts themselves, they become kind of selfless in that side of it. And, uh, and, and again, when, when Kurt did that, he was, he was feeling very, um, how should I put it, violated, so to speak, when people started asking him what he thought of things. What do you yeah. think of the presidential thing? He's like, I'm just, a, you know, just a singer in a rock band, you know. What do I know of that, you know? And I understand that, but suddenly people care, and I think that's really where he was at. It was just, listen to my art. It says what I want to say. Very much so. And and certainly, just like we said about glam rock, glam metal, other things, even in the in, in the intro and beyond, uh, it, I could see from outsiders looking in that it can look shallow, but you dig in, you know, like, wow, there's some brilliant musicians and some deep, interesting people involved there and that's just going to happen you know you're just always going to have good and bad you're going to have the people that make it look bad uh, i'll give you a, a local example but i won't name names some people trying to fit the bad boy image now i'm broke i'm a guy i mean at the time i'm washing dishes and playing guitar and 
somebody or a bass. I'm sorry, and somebody steals my bass. They wanted to like right. they, they were these they were kind of posers in the way I don't mean posers in the way of the the makeup I mean posers in the way of they they wanted to look like bad boy rockers but I'm like you're stealing a bass from a dishwasher <laughs> that's not the right spirit that this thing should be going because we shared a gig yeah we 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 were opening for them you know we were opening for them I turned around my bass is gone I found out like three months later where it was so the image thing can be. It can sidetrack from the actual people and, like you said, the actual expression and art involved. You know, it's an art form and it is the expression. Well, and that's what, and it's very different. And, and, you know, everybody that we've spoken about, which I'm glad that you're, you know, keeping it online that in that side, whether it be Ronnie Dio or Nirvana or any side of that, you're talking about people who wrote and did their own music. I mean, you know, for for you know the slaughter music from our genre which is that that 80s time we were the only band from that genre that wrote and produced and still perform our music at this you know at this time in our career we're still out there doing it and we were we still had the the creative control to do that so i think that a lot of bands when they have like you know the 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 great songwriters or the hit writers at the time, you know, the Desmond child who's brilliant at what he does, but, you know, ultimately with that, you know, it's, it's also, um, you know, all the music starts to sound the same and the bands themselves start getting angry because it's a reflection of who they are not because they didn't write it. So they don't want to play it. And this is a, argument I get into with every other band I've ever been in. And again, I'm not trying to talk about me. I mean, everybody that knows my show knows I'm a musician. But, 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 and we toured and all that. But the whole thing was I always run into, because I'm a songwriter, and we form this thing, we form this beautiful thing, and I always run into, you know, a lot of people uh, that want to play covers all the time. I mean, and we do, we'll play a few covers, but and, and some have just told me flat out, they've been like, oh, well, pro, you know, if you are pro, I, I give you 50 covers, you should know them in a month. You know, I'm like, well, what, what, what about our project? You know, that, that's how I feel. It's like, what about what we're doing, you know? Right. Well, there, and again, that's, it's hard to to keep that integrity, especially when you're in the business and they're out to sell, you know, look at it as toasters, especially, you know, then it was more about selling the product. Now it's a different it's a different animal now. And that's great that you said that because we're at the half hour and that was exactly going to be our next line of questioning. I will take a brief break with a little song and come right back. We'll talk about a little bit about the modern music biz, but then I want to focus for the next um, half to be about your new album. Speaking of people expressing in the new album and and things like that and all the things you're doing now that and the voiceovers and everything. So we're just going to take a brief song break, Mark, and then come right back. All right, everyone, you listen to Main Street Universe, and Mark Slaughter is our guest, and right now, I'm going to play a song, another one by our good friends, uh, One Leap, Woven Green, Before Moonlit Nights, we'll be right back.
forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. All right, and we are back on Main Street Universe with our guest, Mr. Mark Slaughter, myself and associate producer, Janice R. White. Hello, everybody. Janice is also Hello. Here. Hello. Reggae party. Here in local Fairfax Radio, FPA. My fourth year, October fourth year. 11th. Absolutely. And you've had you had a, a Marley or two on your show, right? I, I had the granddaughter. I'm still trying to get Stephen. He's going to be in the area for Labor Day, even though I'm going to go to Philadelphia. But uh, we're going to try to work something out. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're building a music community here in Fairfax, Virginia, Northern Virginia. For people who aren't familiar with Virginia, we're near D.C. So it's yeah, kind about, of a what twenty minutes about twenty minutes, minutes from yeah, D.C. From and it's a great, interesting, diverse, beautiful place to live. We think the town needs to party a little more. A lot more. <laughs> a lot more. A lot more. So we're, you know, trying to run open mics and create events and have radio shows and do things to bring our little music community together. Anyhow, uh, we're talking to Mark Slaughter this evening. And, Mark, we were just before the break discussing the modern music business, because back when I was a kid, which is back when I heard some of your songs, including one another one I liked on a side note was Back on the Streets. I think that was one Vinny might have wrote for you, too. Um, yeah. But I, and I like your, uh, I kind of like your deeper voice, too. Like, you're known for your screaming, but like on Love Kills, I, I like your deeper melodic voice. That's on a side note, but let me get back to the point. <laughs> um, the modern music business, before it was, it was about selling, right, copy, copyright. You're selling a physical thing. You're selling a copy. Then it went to maybe you sell some downloads, and that's kind of the way and we're trying to live in now. So what about this whole thing? How much – I'm curious of your opinion. How did this affect you I'm not asking you like to ex- expose your bank account or anything. I'm just saying, no, <laughs> but how might it affect well, you, or what were you thinking at the time? Like, what's going on? Did it seem like a shock, or did you feel like it happened slowly and naturally? Just curious. I think. Well, the thing that I've I've noticed, you know, I finished this record, you know, um, and you know, I, I when I was done with it, I thought, well, what am I going to do with it? And I spoke to labels, and a lot of labels are imploding, and and it's just changing so much, and. And, you know, one day I was fixing my uh, studio computer and I went into Best Buy and lo and behold, I realized that the CD rack and the time that I was, you know, right, you know, recording this, this album um, had gone down to maybe 5% of what used to be in the store as far as product. Uh, Then I went over to the computer side to to grab the part and I realized that there are no CD-ROMs in the majority of the computers. So it, it has become a download world, and the physical product of CDs is disappearing. And that's exactly what we're seeing. It's going to be the the next side of a floppy disk, so to speak. Um, and, uh, it, you know, that's, that's sad, but that is kind of – that's where it's headed. Um, and people don't really want – you know – the physical product. But what I wanted to do, you know, on my CD was just really take it back to almost like the, the vinyl mentality of, you know, this is when you open the package, this is what it looks like. And here's the vibe. And it kind of takes you someplace as opposed to just throwing out, you know, songs on the internet. And I did want to make a mention too. the other interesting thing about this, but not on any kind of large money scale or at least for some, depending where you are or who you are, there is become uh, or has become a regenerated interest in old vinyl, like Very by, by so. younger people. Very much so. Right. I'm curious and if you've noticed that phenomenon like, or if you have a comment on that. There's a, a lot yeah, of- the, cost, the cost of doing vinyl has really is really, really expensive, too. So it's like, you know, it's not like you can do it in a cheap form because you have to go in and, order it there's only about a few plants that actually make vinyl 
uh, product out there. And because that's the case and there has been this 900% increase in uh, people, you know, wanting vinyl, uh, that has changed. You know, it's hard to get something out quickly that way. Um, and, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a different, it's just a different animal. Um, but ultimately, I think that, you know, as, as an artist, you, you, you just want your music out. You just want people to, you know, to take that piece of art and make it a part of their world or, or, or again, a reflection of where they were in life at that time. And music does that. You hear a song and you go, wow, that totally takes me back to when I was in high school or, you know, when I was doing this or that. Or, you know, it just takes you to that time and place. And it, that's really what I want with my music is to be that time stamp in people's lives. And I would have to say that to some degree you have succeeded in that. And I hope that others find your new work uh, in the future uh, to do the same. Because I certainly yeah, remember I, you. I, I'd like that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I'd like for others to find that music. But, again, it's like it's not something that, that it's like, oh, I have to do this. It's just that's really what you want your art to do. You want people to enjoy your art. That's why you do it. It's mm-hmm. not about the money. It's not, and again, I'm not throwing out demos, you know, the, you know, a demo for a quick buck with the record label uh, just to get an advance or something like that. I am the record label. So basically what I put out is what I did, and I did it the way I wanted to do it, and I had creative control from front to end. And, you know, I, I'm glad that it went the way it went. Good. Because, um, um, like uh, Daniel had said, I do a, a reggae show every Thursday, every Thursday, uh, between 7 and 8 um, on Radio Fairfax. And I noticed that the vinyl for people like Peter Tosh and Bob Marley, especially Bob Marley, because his uh, legend uh, album, CD, DVD, it's coming out the 30th anniversary of that. And there's people younger than me, people in their, you know, from 18 to 30, buying these vinyls of Peter Tosh, of Desmond Decker, of Bob Marley. And with, you know, you know where where they're getting this money, I don't know. They they have more money than I do, but but they're buying these old vinyls of of old reggae legends, even uh, um, Jimmy Cliff. Right. Hello. Well, yeah, it's. I think that you know people are looking for. Um, I think they're looking to connect with an, with artists. Period. That's what they want to do is connect. You know, people. Yeah. You know, for instance, the Green Day. You know, Green Day, for instance, or whether it's uh, Foo Fighters, they want to connect with that artist. So who, whoever that is, it's just that that becomes their soundtrack, and mm-hmm. you know. It, as as a as a musician, that's what you want them them to make that art. That you want to be the soundtrack. You want to be that timestamp, because at that point, then then your art that's the success of art. You know, it's not about the right. telling of it. It's more about that the art becomes a part of somebody's life to where they go. This song says everything I'd ever want to say. Or it says and you want that for a show, like for myself, uh, being a, a DJ. Uh, mm-hmm. They call us operators now, but we're, we're DJs. Uh, that's what you mm-hmm. want for. You want people to connect to your show, so you want to play the songs that connect people to that period of time. Yeah, and you know, in in in, in the the radio work that you're doing is much different than terrestrial radio on the side of that you're you're dealing with radio that's uh that's more driven off the advertisers and you know the car companies that are selling cars in the marketplace and the the phone companies and everything else that the advertisers are doing on there that is what ultimately that radio is about is selling time for sales it's not about the music and it's a hard thing for any artist to walk in and finally realize that it's nothing about getting your song on the radio your song becomes a vehicle to sell something 
But when you get in it to where people are playing their mu- your music because it is their it, it it connects to them spiritually or or in their in their heart or their feelings, then you've got something that again that matters. That's how I look at it. Okay. Well, I'm part of Radio Fairfax, which is part of Fairfax Public Access. Uh, we have PSAs for um, HIV, AIDS, sickle cell, um, uh, lupus, think more, well, more diseases, but we also have other commercials. But they're sufficiently run, and they have plenty of money. Trust me, I've looked at their books. So they don't do Main Street type of advertisement of, let's say, Kmart, Walmart, uh, Macy's. No, they do more PSAs of things that actually matter to people. And that's that's the type of radio we're talking about that is really... That's the type of radio that that I'm in. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what matters nowadays because regular radio, if I go in and I said, Hey, there's you know, you could spin something that's new off my record, but you know, if you go into a regular you know, normal radio station, they can't play that stuff because they'll go in and say, Hey, we got Mark Slaughter and then they'll play something from Slaughter because again, that's what their advertisers want. They don't want to throw people to turn the dial, so to speak. That's where their Correct. fear goes in. Correct. So they'll play Even, Skinner, um, you know, four Skinnerd songs and, you know, like, you know, five Pink Floyd. And, again, love Skinnerd, love Pink Floyd, but comes a point yeah. where there's other music out there, you know? Even Bruce Springsteen has complained about the same thing in interviews that I, that I heard with him about they want to play him, and he would be one of those ones you might think that's that safe and that, that would, they would play. So that shows you how it's gone. And... Since there's about 20 minutes here uh, left, I wanted to really now focus on Reflections in a, in, in a Rearview Mirror because it's your newest work, and I and I wanted to really uh-huh. do that. I wanted to say there were two things that jumped out at me, Mark, right away, straight away when I listened to the CD. One of them uh-huh. was almost a little bit what you were talking about earlier. The album seemed to feel a little bit empowering. It seemed like an affirmation reflection. It seemed a little bit thankful. As well as it seemed a little bit deep, I truly enjoyed the instrumental uh, in Circle Flight, which I thought was beautiful, with a beautiful flute. Um, And I also liked the Velcro Jesus about people kind of wearing something on their sleeve that they can temporarily take off. But I wanted to start from one at a time. I I guess I'll start with Velcro Jesus. Um, I imagine this came from conversations. I'm curious to hear your motivation for that song. Yeah, it's... Velcro Jesus is, and, and, you know, any Christian, you know, would, you know, goes through that where their faith becomes, you know, almost a fashion statement instead of living it. And, and, and it's also observing people who do it as a fashion statement. They, they, they take it on, they take it off, replace the ones that they have lost. I mean, it becomes more about uh, the monetary side of what that word is. And 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 it's the iconic, you know, sort of side of it, and as opposed to what it really, what religion really is, or how to live a certain way. In other words, it, they don't do that. That's not in their heart, and they don't do that. And that's really what the song is about: is that kind of the hypocrisy that that people do of of the convenience of living it when it's convenient, as opposed to. Um, really trying to be the best person they could be at all times. Or maybe preaching it when it's convenient, right? Bashing. Yeah, I also it. got the, uh, the feeling listening to the song that it was about, okay, well, if you're going to wear this so heavy, don't come down on me so much. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I've done that. I've talked about that. Even the opening track of our first record, uh, Slaughter, was Eye to Eye. It was about, you know, everybody's got their opinion. And it comes to the point to where they're so busy judging instead of really internally looking at themselves and growing as a human being and, and spiritually growing. They're just they're they're damning everybody around them so that they can actually have a little bit of a pedestal. They can step on their heads to be a little higher. And yeah. you know, I just don't I don't agree with that mindset. I never have, and I and I and I kind of that injustice. I like to certainly put it out there with a the big flare, you know. 
Yeah, no, and I'm I'm totally with you. And of course, my the, the band I'm in and a lot of the people I'm around have multiple faiths, and and it's about them being good people within that faith. Truly, basically, that's right. you know, that's right, that's right. And it's also the having the tolerance to understand it and not have the ignorance to to say that you know whatever you do is if it's not what I do, then you know then you're a bad person. That's not right. that's that's about Jesus right there. Absolutely, and the next um, one I wanted to bring up was, of course, the instrumental. And I'm just curious, the inspiration. It almost sounds to me like you were sitting out in the middle of the woods and hearing the trees or something. It was just beautiful, and the piano, well, the piano accompanying it, the whole thing. I just thought it was really nice. Well, that, thank you. That was written in about four hours. There was a gentleman named Mike Cerna, who was a friend of mine. He's an Apache uh, uh, Native American Indian, and I'm Cherokee. And one day he, he gave me a flute, and he said, I want you to play this someday. And he gave me this flute, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And, you know, touring went on, and, you know, I dabbled with it a little bit, but never really sat down with it, you know, wholeheartedly. And one day I get a call from his wife and, and she said, you know, Mike had passed from cancer and, and they do a a life celebration where everybody gets together to play music. And they said, she said, look, I'd like for you to come to his life celebration if you will. And I said, I have shows on that date, but I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make some, I'll make a a piece of music for Mike and, you know, about that. Um, and, uh, so I sat down with the flute and, and the piano and about four hours later is that piece of music. And the story that he told me, which I thought was really cool is he said that, um, when his brother had passed away, when, when he was, when he was younger, um, there was an Eagle when he was out building flutes in his shed, there was an Eagle that was circling around the top of the trees, uh, where he was working. And then the the eagle sat down on a tree about 12 feet away from him. And in the belief of that, of the, on the Apaches, that was his brother. He said, hello, my brother, how are you? Because he felt that his brother's spirit came through that eagle. And he talked to the eagle, and all of a sudden it took up, and it flew around in circle, and then it flew off. So that's where in circle flight comes from. That's what the the music was written for him. And the story is about that uh, of that encircle flight of, of of the balance of nature and song. And it was, I love your explanation. By the way, being Janice, we're here just loving it, and it's a great and beautiful song, and I, I truly enjoyed it. So it's only about like what two minutes, about a minute forty something, but it's just a nice little yeah, it's it's, it's uh, a brief yeah, brief little instrumental, but it, 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 it again, it's it's honest and and heartfelt, and you know, I think that's what, you know, I think that's what people feel on it. It's a powwow drum in there, and it was done in a traditional side, except for the piano. And interesting because uh, um, part of the diversity of my band, um, um, my guitar player is Cherokee as well, and as one was once. Um, someone that uh, was a temporary intern chief for a group, and as well, he teaches the old language. That was a fascinating right. thing about him. There were me. Right. Uh, right. <clears throat> and, um, and then we have people from all over the place in our band. <laughs> but we're not here to yeah. talk about my <laughs> And then again, going back to some other ones that sound a little more like, you know, rock songs, um, and again, this was all on a similar theme we were talking about earlier of um, affirmations, being positive, and again, right. never giving up was one, and I thought that was good. Even away I go, it's, it sounds like a thankfulness. So I, I see a lot of spirituality in this album. Uh, it, it just seems very spiritual, very thankful, very positive, and then especially with the instrumental, which I loved, and then the Velcro Jesus, yeah. which was a reflection and a commentary on others. Um, so perhaps well, describe never I, giving up. Yeah, 
Yeah, I never, I never really, you know, looked at it as, as, as this is a spiritual, you know, a spiritualness in it. But I think that, you know, as you know, I, I believe that that is true. That is, you know, it's not I made a conscious effort of that, but I, I do think that there is, you know, something in there that I'm trying to, um, of thankfulness and of, of. Uh, uh, appreciation and also a reflection of of what is around in the surroundings of what I've had both musically growing up and where I have have winded up at this point reflections in a rearview mirror is going forward but still looking back uh you know in a glance but still going forward and that was kind of that momentum is really what I feel like I'm doing right now I'm still looking back and going that was really cool but Here's where I'm headed now. Okay. And uh, And I remember one line in your album that said, you're not an intellectual man, and I remember thinking, you definitely seem more intellectual than maybe you give yourself credit for. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Judy says the next question. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, or maybe I intellectual for a rocker. I don't know. So, you know, oh, oh, you know don't beat me up. Don't beat up the DJ. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I have a question about your title of Reflections, because uh, I'm having a radio show with Daniel, um, a woman's spirituality show, and it's going to be called Reflections and Rhythms. Um, right. Mainly because it came to me in a dream. So I wanted to um, ask you about your re- your particular new album or CD with the reflections and how you came about that name. You know, it's funny. I don't even know how I came up with the name of it. It's just, I think I was just driving down the road one day and, and it was just kind of one of those things that I was thinking, what am I going to call this record? And I just looked up and, and reflections in the rear view mirror. I mean, there it is. There's, you know, there's what you're you're looking about. Yeah, I think it was the momentum of what that meant to me is reflecting okay. back, but not being consumed with what was behind me, but but moving forward. And I think that's really what the what that the whole concept of the record is to me is you're still moving forward, but you know you look back, you know where you've been, you know where where you came from, and you're thankful for it. And I think that's really what it is to me, um, and that was kind of the concept. I don't even know how I came up with the title. That's all I could think of is it was probably, you know, a, a real simple thing of just of just of going, of just driving. Okay. Well, it seems to me, and I could be, you know, uh, I could be wrong, but it seems like 2015 is very much a reflective year. Um, it's not the first time I've heard reflection uh, come out in any type of media. It's actually coming out a lot. And like I said, it, uh, my particular spin on it came out as reflections and rhythms. And it was supposed to be that's a show. Yeah. That's my that's my woman's show, you know, for women only show or oh, whatever. Okay. Right. Um, but uh, but. As women, we have a lot to reflect on, so it, it's a timely thing. And I just feel that 2015 is a reflection year. Your comments on right. that? Um, right. A reflection year. I think. I think a reflection year. I, I think that there's there's a universe. Uh, you know, again, people would call call it God. They'd call it Buddha. They'd call it Jesus. They'd call it whatever it is. That, but there is a common universal um, um, energy, let's call it, so to speak, that mm-hmm. is a constant. And, and I think those who tap into that, you'll all of a sudden notice, like when we did Fly the Angels, well, then the Black Crows had their song, She Talks to Angels, and there's this, you know, all of a sudden – this it's not like we all communicated and said, "Hey, let's write a song about this." It's just that's the 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 consciousness of the people at that time that were tapped the synergy. into. Yeah, a synergistic right. effect. 
Energy. Yeah. So I mean, we're all, and again, we're all connected. So, so you know, keeping that in mind, yes, it is a reflective time, but at the same time, it's, you know, people are, are, you know, again, universally, it, we're all connected, and that just all these type of things always come up that way. That's just how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark. Um... Again, we're coming down to our last five minutes, and it's been absolutely awesome talking to you. Awesome talking to you. Been a joy. Well, thanks. You know, we spent spent some time marketing, and who knows? Who knows how many listens it might be about, uh, you know, one of the ads I put out claimed, you know, 10 or 15,000. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) again, but this was just pleasant, and you just seem – you are – you know how – like I've known people that have been on tours with musicians. I've never been in the big time, you know, as close as as, as you were. But I've known people that have been like on the fringes of it, and they would say that Mark Slaughter was sort of the, one of the nice guys of you know hard rock, and it definitely seems like that's true. Just by your voice, you just have this r- well, very real earthy, super. Common. I appreciate that. And, and again, Ronnie was one of those people that that I always you know looked up to who was that way. You know, again, it's you know, it's it's, it's who you uh, you look in your mindset of who you want to be instead of what how you know like, how I always put it is like what you think of me is none of my business. I always want to consciously know what I am as opposed to what people percept their perception of me is. That way, I'm always going to be me, and and I think I've maintained being me all the way through. And it's not about ego. I don't need the adoration. It really all I'm trying to do is 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 make music that is a part of people's lives. That's really what I do, and I love doing that. And I love the stories and the things that 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 people have shared with me over the years. Uh, um, a gentleman just sent me a picture of him holding his child and singing "Fly the Angels" as his, as his son was passing away. I mean, that was just you know, you know, that's that's life. That's that is the reality of life. That's, and to me, I just think it, that uh, um, that's really where I'm at right now. I just really want to be in touch and, and, and keep my music to where it becomes a part of people's lives. And, and the, those who have said that, I appreciate the, the, the kind words, but, you know, I, I'm just me. I'm just Mark. Right. Yeah. And it, Definitely seems self-evident. And again, I apologize. I didn't upload songs because I wasn't sure of the rules, and I wasn't sure if I would get in trouble or something. <laughs> yeah. So not, not, if, not, if you join us again at some point, I'll upload your song with ASCAP or whatever. And I didn't have a long enough conversation with that, so maybe we'll yeah. correct that if we ever speak again. You know. Um, right. Uh, <clears throat> but again, it's Art Slaughter. Ultimately, I enjoyed the enjoyed the chat and enjoyed the the fact that you know of uh, the, uh, the the your perception and the intellectual side of their approach of how you how you view you know the music and 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 again the passion that you have for it because obviously you're you know you're talking about it and and I appreciate that and I share in that and and I'm thankful for that so thank you Daniel. Well, thank you and thank, thank you. you thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. You guys have a wonderful evening. And again, thanks for uh, for uh, keeping the soundtrack for everybody out there. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, and right. and we will because I will you know repost this and we will you I'll know put it on my page. Absolutely, well. there will be a lot of stuff cool. promoting this. So more than you might think Sounds, for you know small time yeah. non terrestrial. <laughs> we'll, we'll beat those uh, terrestrial guys. This is where it's at, man. This is where it's at. It's all good. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right, babe. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye. All right, folks, and this is from one song from my band, Dragon's Head. Uh,